So we've been looking at um, a series on culture, developing uh, a culture as a church. Uh, and you remember if we looked at, at the very, very beginning, I said that what we believe uh, informs our values and what we value shapes our culture. So what we've been looking at is, is what we believe uh, in, in the context of our lives and church and, and allowing that to fashion and form our values and, our, uh, and, and um, shaping who we are and how we live our lives. And so that we can make adjustments and become more and more like Jesus, put things in place, change things that we need to change, and become more in line with what we believe. So that how, what we say we believe is how we live our lives. Um, that makes sense? And so as we look at culture, that's what we're looking at is what we believe, how we need to make the adjustments, and therefore how we live. And so it becomes part of who we are. And uh, not that we are there, not that we, we've all got stuff to do, both individually and corporately, of how we are to change and become more and more like Jesus. But it's something that we're building towards. And so um, each one of us needs to take ownership of that, stop and, and, and step into more of what God has for us. And so far we've looked at these things. We've looked at building a culture of truth, of evangelism, witnessing and planting or starting churches, of generosity, of prayer, uh, being servant-hearted, of worship, uh, creativity, humility, faith. Uh, organic, invitational, and discipleship. I think we started way back in March. Before that, we looked at what it meant to be a spirit-led people, being led by the spirit, looking at our gifts. We looked at pictures of the church. We looked at the book of Acts. We looked at so you can go all the way back um, as to w- what we've been doing. But every time, it's to build on what has gone before, so that we put those things in place and become more in line with who God's called us to be. And some of those things, if we're honest, we look at them, we're probably more comfortable with, and uh, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but we're probably more familiar with, and it's sometimes easier to make adjustments. Other things actually challenge the very core of who we are, and therefore it's harder for us to make adjustments, but we need to step up into all of those things. And so we're going to wrap the series up this week and next week, but as we do that, it's not an end. It's not an end. Like, it's not like a book that you read. It's like, well, I finished that book, put it on the shelf, and what's the next one? Or a Netflix movie that you finish the series, and now you start the next one, and you kind of forget what's gone before. What we've done is looked at all these things so that they're stepping stones for what, on which we move forward, or they're or they foundations and stones that we can continue to build our lives. And so it's not one that we know we finished this and we finished that and we move on to the next one, but it's something that we actually step into that starts that process of building more and more as God has called us to moving forward. Because when we look at them, they are the basics and the foundations and some uh, uh, key parts to what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. And if we give ourselves to these things, in our lives individually, but also together as we work, walk, work, walk forward in Him, then we're building as God wants us to build. We're living as God wants us to live, and we will become fruitful and increase in our own lives, but also as we do that. When Jesus was asked once by people trying to trick Him, really, what was the greatest commandment? Can you remember what He said? He said this, it is to, the, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then he quickly says, and the second is like it, which is love your neighbor as yourself. 
In other words, love God and love other people. And we often call that the great command because it's the command that God's given us to live our lives. Loving Him above all else and loving others. And actually, if we simply just did that, we would be transformed. The world around us would be transformed. But it's sometimes we complicate things and other things get in the way. But intrinsically, that's where we start, loving God and loving others. At another point, Jesus says to his disciples, well, when he first calls them, he says, come and follow me and, and I will make you fishes of men. In other words, come and follow me, lay down your life, follow me, and I will make you into those who go and help others to, become, uh, to come into relationship with him. He also tells his disciples at the end of his ministry to go into all the nations and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey what he has taught them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and he will be with us to the end of the age. He also told his disciples before he ascended to heaven, or just as he was, to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came on them and they would receive power and they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And those things we call the Great Commission. So there are these two parts, the command to love God and love others, and the commission because of our love for God, and as we sang this morning, laying our whole lives down, we therefore go and share our faith, tell others about God, make disciples of all nations. But at the center of it all is always Jesus, not ourselves. And I think the problem with us and how we outwork, first and foremost, the great command, which is love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, is if we're brutally honest, we often love ourselves more. And Jesus is not always the center of everything that we do, every decision we make, but we are. That's because we're human. And God understands that, and His grace and mercy works with us, but our focus needs to always be adjusted again. In this situation, God, putting you first, what do I do? In this situation, how do I respond? Loving you, loving others, making disciples. In the elements of all these things we've looked at, truth, evangelism, creativity, all those different things, God, what is your way? How do I put you first in this, and how do I live out my life? But all of those we do together. Galatians chapter 6, from verse 2 to 5, it says, and I'm just taking out two elements, so to read the whole thing, it speaks about us carrying each other's burdens. And then it just goes on quite quickly to say, but each one should carry their own burdens. In other words, you could say that actually we're here together to help each other, to encourage one another, to help carry the load, to help do these things, but we also need to take responsibility for ourselves. So that means that we can't come and think, well, someone else is going to do it all for me because I need to take responsibility. But then at the same time, it's, I don't have to do it all on my own. God's put me with others that can carry it with me. So you see, it's, they don't contradict each other. They're actually interwoven really beautifully so that we live our lives completely surrendered to him, taking personal responsibility and ownership of our own lives and also responsibility for those that God puts in our lives to pray for, to encourage, to strengthen, to disciple, to help in all those ways. And so as we wrap up, I want to look at a, an incredibly important key part, well, I think it is, in pulling all of these things together as we move forward. And that's leadership. 
Now, immediately, as I say that word, so many different things probably pop into different people's minds of what that means and think, well, that's not for me, or this is... I think it is for everybody. As we look through Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, we see that God works with His people, whether it be the nation of Israel or the church, and moving forward, He he always has leaders that He anoints and calls and gives authority to, to outwork things in those communities. In the Old Testament, they take on different roles. Some of them were elders and prophets and judges and kings and all sorts of things. In the New Testament, we also see that there were, apart from Jesus, there were the apostles, the elders, the different ministry gifts, but also shepherds and pastors and uh, all connected. And, and, and Ephesians 4 ministries. I'm not going to do a teach on what leadership is because we've done that before, but maybe we'll do that again at some other time. But what we see is it's those that God calls and anoints that's recognized by the community that appointed so that we can actually do what God's called us to do. And unlike the world, leadership in the kingdom of God is never to control. It's never to lord it over. Scripture tells us that. It's never to be heavy-handed or, 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 or heavy shepherding, as some people would say. It's never to restrict but to bring life. And it's never imposed. It's always invited. God, this is what we see and this is how we give ourselves. You see, leadership in Scripture is to care for, to have a heart for, to shepherd, to protect, to give direction, to be an example, to hold the truth clear so people can see. We lead and, and so others follow, to give direction, to, to release so that people will fulfill everything that God has called them to. The same time, leaders are also on the same journey as everybody else because we are all equal, just with different roles and functions at different times so that individually and corporately we grow in in our life in the direction that we're going in there's a sense of purpose and we achieve those things and we fulfill everything that God has called us to but with that there's also the aspect of that every single one of us is a leader let me explain that. I think every single one of us, if we're there to live our lives, and this is the aspect I want to look at this morning, is what some would call self-leadership. Each one of us have a responsibility, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your uh, community, or whether it's just with friends, leading someone to God. But more importantly, leading your own life. I'm not saying that we separated ourselves and we kind of, if you think of it too long... It becomes confusing and you'll think I've lost my mind. But the issue of leading yourself is to do with our decisions of how we choose what to do. What we put in place and what we don't do. And that is incredibly important. And I think if we look at this whole series that we've been doing and what we preached before, how are we to step into that? into the fullness of what God has for us, for us to change requires that we lead ourselves well. Paul writes to Timothy and he clearly gives instructions about leaders and leadership uh, in, the, in the life of the church. And, and you can read that in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And as he writes, I think those things apply to each one of us as well. Not just those who have the responsibility of leadership, but every single believer. And Paul's instructions, as you read them, can come across as, gee, that's really direct. I think it's needed to be direct. 
so that we actually take note. But it's not there to control, but to help every single believer, to help the whole church community to live out what God's called them to live, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, to live our lives fully pursuing Him. And yes, there are some elements that pertain specifically to the office of certain leaders in the, in, in the life of the church community, but I think even those should be applied to each one of our, our lives. And so I want to look this morning at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and just pull out some things. I'm not going to read... Uh, the whole chapter. I'm going to read from verse uh, 7. Let me read from verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, brought up in the truth of the faith and of good teaching that you have followed. So speaking about what has gone before, about um, you need to read the whole passage. I haven't got time to do that this morning. And then it goes on verse 7. Have nothing, and these are the, from here on is what I want you to, I feel we need to listen to clearly this morning. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training has, is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching, do not neglect your gift which was given you through the prophetic message when the, holy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. If we take that passage... And just systematically go through, and I'm going to do it briefly this morning, but ponder on those things, wrestle on with those things, and go over them and start actually saying, this isn't just a call for Paul to Timothy, but it's from God to you, from God to me. And he goes, starts off by saying, having nothing to do with myths and old wives' tales, and and, and I think there are lots of those things, and there's lots of conspiracy theories and all sorts of other things. But I think what you could say there is have nothing to do with the ideologies and the things of the world, the things that are contrary to the truth, the nonsense that goes on. Someone recently said this, that the enemy has weaponized democracy in, in our society. And, and what he meant was this, is that Something, because we so love democracy and everybody has to, something doesn't have to be true to be believed. If the majority of people say it's, believe it, then people often take it as truth. And there's that whole thing of actually if if the world says it and enough people seem to believe it, then it must be true, which is nonsense. 
And so when he's saying you have nothing to do with myths and old wives' tales and the nonsense of the world, look at the truth of God's Word. That's what we build our lives on. Just because something's a popular belief or something is uh, proclaimed by the world as this is what it is, doesn't mean it's true. What's written in Scripture is true, and that's what we base our lives on. Not those things. And then he says, rather do this. Rather train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly for physical training of some value, but godliness has value in all things. And when you just stop and think of what that means, because he, he uses that word training, and then he uses the analogy of physical training, which is, takes time, takes effort, takes discipline. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. But it, in order to be physically fit, you have to give yourself to it consistently. There has to be a training that is day in and day out. If you speak to a guy, a guy who runs marathons, and if I'd say, well, I'm going to be, train myself to run a marathon, he's going to say, James, you have to do this regularly. You can't start and do run every day and then think, well, I, I don't feel like it, and then three months' time run another little bit, and then think in a year's time with that kind of regime that I'm going to make a marathon. It won't happen. Yet how often do we, uh, uh, we, we approach our life and our understanding of godliness in the same way? Well, I'll, I'll give it everything I've got, and then actually this becomes a bit tedious, or it becomes a bit hard, or, or, or we make a mistake, and then we think, well, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, then maybe not tomorrow, maybe... And, and we, you see, he's saying, train yourself. And we're in a world that says, that, that doesn't like discipline, doesn't like self-discipline, doesn't like restrictions, doesn't like... Th- that's, what the, that's what we live in. Yet he says here clearly, train yourself. In other words, take the steps so that your godliness increases. Just if, if you're trying to think of what that means, take your... It's the same way. If I'd say, well, I'm going to run a marathon, so today I'm going to start, I'm going to run 20 kilometers, that's not going to happen. I need to start Slowly take one step, then the next, and, and through constant discipline and training, we increase. And that's what he's saying here. Don't believe the lies of the world. Don't believe the things of the world, the myths, the ideology, and all of those things. Look at the truth of God's Word and train yourself. There's that self-responsibility of self-leadership of saying, I'm going to be disciplined to have a devotional time every day. Not because it's law or legalism, but because I know for me to grow in my life with God and my relationship with Him, I desperately need to have time with Him. For me to grow in my understanding of the Word, I desperately need to actually read it. So, uh, and, and just think of it in that way. Training is incremental. Because if you go home today and think, well, tomorrow I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to read three chapters of the Bible, you might do it tomorrow. But I guarantee you, by the end of the week, unless that's your normal practice, you probably won't be doing it by the end of the week. Why? Because we're trying to run the marathon before we've run a mile. And what he's saying here is train yourself. Put things in place so that all these things we've looked at about truth, about uh, uh, generosity and and witness and, and invitation, all those things, train yourself. He says, train yourself in godliness. 
set an example in these areas, in speech. Is your speech and your language godly? If not, train yourself that it will. In your life, pretty much covers everything. How you live, in your love, your love for one another, your love for God, your, your love for those who don't know God. If you find it hard, train yourself. You see, what we're doing is becoming more and more like Jesus. That should be our goal, to become more and more like Jesus. Which means less and less, probably how we've always been. Saying, God, I want to be more like you. How do I love people more like you love them than I have before? Train yourself in your faith, in purity, speech, life, love, faith, purity, all, all these things, so that we can love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and we can love those He brings into our lives. Do you get His message? That as we look at everything that we've been looking at, as we think, well, actually, our, if we go back from our culture shaped by our values and our values by what we believe, what do we believe? What do we believe about these things? How do we put them in place? We train ourselves. We take responsibility for our walk with God. And then he says this to Timothy, which I think is important for every single one of us to hear. Do not neglect the gift that you received from God. We looked at spiritual gifts a number of months ago. Or it might have even been last year. We looked at it a while ago. That there's the same Spirit that gives different kind of gifts to all of God's children. And if you know what your gifting is, and we, we're not going to go over that again, if you want to, it's all on the website. You can go and listen to it. Don't neglect those things that God has invested in you. But put them to use. Be faithful with them. Why do you think he says that? So that as we put those things in place and we grow in them, but you remember that the purpose of the gift is not for ourselves, but for those who it ministers to. So that's an outward looking of I'm taking responsibility for my walk with God, training myself to be godly, training myself to be like Jesus. And using the gifts he's given us so that through me and through my life, others will be blessed. Others will be encouraged. Others will be done because it's not about us. It's all about him. Verse 15 and 16, he says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. In other words, wholeheartedly give yourself to them. And that ties in with the discipline. Training. If I'm half-heartedly committed to something, I'm not committed to it at all. It requires wholly, wholeheartedly giving ourselves to. Which then when we step back and we look at our lives, we think, God, this area of what, I, what I'm doing in my life, is that wholly committed to you? Am I giving myself passionately, wholeheartedly to that? And you might say, James, well, I can't give myself wholeheartedly to everything. I actually think we can. I think the most, the, most re, the most common reason why people don't feel, uh, feel like their lives are just stuck is that they don't have purpose, they don't, and all these different things that people say. I think, well, I haven't got time to give myself wholly to that, or wholly to this, or wholeheartedly, or whatever word you want to use. It's like, actually, we should be doing whatever God tells us to do. 
And whatever area of life that we feel called to, then passionately give everything to it. Everything. Your family, give everything you can. Everything you can in the church community, everything you can in the work, everything you can in society. In other words, be those who step up and step out. Give ourselves wholeheartedly. If you look in Scripture where um, it speaks of Caleb, remember Caleb and Joshua who went into the promised land with all the other spies and the others came back and all they saw were the giants and Caleb and Joshua said, we saw that, but actually this is what God's called us to. When, it's, when the Scripture speaks about him, it speaks about him as one who followed God wholeheartedly. He gave himself wholly to following God. In other words, when we say that Christ is central, when we sing God, I lay my whole life down. What we're saying is, God, I give myself wholly to you. All these things you're calling me to, I give myself wholeheartedly to them. And it says, so that everyone may see your progress. And you go back to, see your progress and example in speech, life, love, purity, godliness. That's what self-leadership is. That's why leadership is really important. That's why we look at Scripture and say, what does God require of us? And that's what we live our lives for. And if you think, well, James, that's way out there. That's why he says, train yourself. Step towards. Take the first step, then the second, and allow the Holy Spirit to build and strengthen so that we become salt and light, we become an example. Scripture says that we also to fan into flame the giftings that God's given us. And being diligent in something means that we need to give ourselves consciously give attention to it. And he goes on to say, watch your life and doctrine closely and persevere in them. Watch your life and doctrine closely. I think what he's saying is consider, take stock of your life and what you believe and make sure that what you believe and what you live match up. And that's why we've been looking at culture, building a culture that is biblical, building a culture of all these things, so that we can see, well, that's what we believe, therefore that's how we should be, and so let's make the adjustments to live out that. It's exactly what he's saying. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. You see, you can have a very strong doctrine and understanding of doctrinal things. In other words, your understanding of God, your understanding of Scripture, and all those things. But if that isn't outworked in your life, who's going to believe you? What witness is that? If you say, God loves everybody and we're saved by grace and this is what he said, and yet you hold grudges against every person who crosses your path and you're rude to your neighbors and then your neighbor thinks, well, I don't want to be there. You see, we're called to be salt and light and we are the ones through whom he works. And so we have to watch our life and our doctrine. In other words, what we believe, is it being influenced by public's view, the whole democracy thing like I spoke of, because it's everybody thinks that, is, are we allowing that to then start to wear away and fashion what we actually believe? Or are we going to say, actually, this is what we believe? And so when we hold up that to this, this doesn't change, that we chuck out. And how we live that out in our lives. Watch your life and your doctrine closely and persevere in it. In other words, don't give up. 
I don't think it's by chance that he speaks about training and don't give up. Because I don't know about you, but anybody who has given themselves to any kind of physical training, it's so easy to give up on your own. You have to be disciplined to put those things in place so that you do it day in and day out. And it's easy to give up. But he's saying here, discipline yourself, train yourself, and don't give up. Persevere in it. And what's the best way not to give up? Carry your own burdens, but carry others. In other words, you're doing this, but you're doing it together. There's something that you do on your own and take responsibility for, but we also take responsibility for each other. We are called personally, but we're also called corporately. We grow personally, but we grow corporately. We have a responsibility personally, but we have a responsibility corporately. The best way not to give up or to be able to help yourself persevere in these things is don't try and run it on your own. Run with others. That's why we have home groups. Home groups should just be catalysts for relationship and discipleship and all those things. But if you isolate yourself and think, well, this is what I'm going to do, this is how, you might get to a degree, and if you're an incredibly disciplined, focused person, you might get quite far. But God's never, ever called us to live and walk in isolation, always with others. And for me, the key points to self-leadership are taking responsibility and ownership for our own lives. Seeing what Scripture says and applying it. Taking responsibility for others' lives. Being Spirit-led. In other words, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? I want to follow that. Holy Spirit, I can't do this. I need your strength and your powering. What Werner, during the worship, was speaking about those who, who feel need a fresh or refreshing or a filling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need to be empowered by Him. That's the only way we can live as God called us to. But also for us, the other key point is for us to be proactive. That we recognize and we step into that with Jesus being the center of everything and applying all these areas to our life individually and corporately so that we can step into that and become more and more like Jesus and become fruitful in Him. So to do that, to end off this morning, there are just these few things. I think we need to live in step and led by the Holy Spirit. God's given us the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, walks with us, teaches us, reveals Scripture, empowers us and enables us. Pursue Him. Pursue Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Spend time with God. Allow the Spirit of God to come and minister to you and empower and strengthen you. The second is build relationships. Build relationships with those who are followers of Christ. Remember last week we looked at building a relationship with God, with the believers and with unbelievers. In order to grow in Him, we need to build relationships that go beyond the surface with other believers. And I I know that requires risk. It requires uh, a trust the reality of what it is, you kind of have to overcome a whole, probably a whole host of things where you've been let down before and all of those things, but we need to be able to walk together into the future that God has for us. If we keep relationships surface, we never grow together. And then that's where it gets messy. 
But all these things need to be based on the Word of God, based on the promises of God, based on the Spirit's leading in God. But don't wait. I think we need to be those who step up, step in, and step out. Step up, take responsibility. Step into relationship with others. And step out as we witness and share our faith with those around us. Living our lives governed, directed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. By the truth of His Word. By deep conviction. By passionate commitment. By unending perseverance. With courage. With courage as we love God, love others, and go and make disciples. It requires that we take responsibility and live our lives for Him, choosing to step into those things. Leading ourselves well. Train yourself. Don't give up. Set an example. In life, love, speech, purity, godliness. As we walk into the fullness of who God's called us to be. We need each other. But first and foremost, we need Jesus at the center. If Jesus isn't at the center and our reliance isn't on the Holy Spirit, you can train as much as you want. You're not going to grow. Because we can't do it in and of ourselves. It's in Him Love others love God, love others, make disciples for the King and His kingdom. That's what we're called to. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can come to you in, in the reality of who we are. Lord, this morning we sang that song, I lay my whole life down. And, and Father, the reality is this, that you know every aspect of our whole life as it has been already, but also as it will be ahead. And so, Lord, this morning we stand or sit before you as those who know you as our Father, as the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, as the one who is our creator and the one who calls us to higher higher life with you. Lord, I ask that this morning as we surrender ourselves to you that you would help us see where we need to make adjustments. And by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would enable us to start the training. Thank you that we don't do this alone but you've given us others to walk with. That we would run with and be fruitful for your glory and for your kingdom. Lord, as we ponder these things this week, as we wrestle with some of the things that we might need to make adjustments with, Lord, I pray that you would always remind us that we are loved, accepted, forgiven, washed, sealed, empowered, strengthened by your Spirit. Because we are yours. We are seated with you in heavenly realms. And you are far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. 
God, strengthen, equip, refresh, and build us. In Jesus' name, amen.